Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Y'all, I can hear the CBS theme music now. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? The madness has finally arrived. And we're here today to preview the Thursday, March 16th slate of college basketball DFS for the first round of the NCAA tournament. We've got a full 16-game slate, so we're going to talk about each and every game, some guys that we want to target or maybe avoid from each game, what we can expect from each game. We're going to take it one little segment at a time, four games by four games. So if you're playing any of the smaller slates on DraftKings or FanDuel, you can pretty much isolate which segment you want to listen to for that particular slate. All right. Now also... The tournament has not begun yet. So if you want to get in on our official Mike's Money Picks bracket pool, um, make sure you follow me on Twitter. Reach out via mention or DM, um, and I will get your information and um, get your $10 so that way you can be in the bracket pool if you are so inclined to be interested. Also, if you scroll down the podcast feed a little bit, you can find our bracket breakdown episode. I sat down with my dad, who is a college basketball expert as well, to talk about some different topics, different concepts, and ways to pick your NCAA tournament bracket. So if you're interested in betting or filling out a bracket, um, check that out on the, on the episode feed. I promise it's very well made. My dad did a great job as a special guest, um, and I very much had a lot of fun doing that, and it's a very good episode. I promise you won't be disappointed if you go check it out. Again, check the podcast feed for that one. Now, while you're at it, hit the subscribe button so that way you're notified when new episodes drop because we're going to be doing DFS previews for not only the Thursday slate of games, but also the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday slate of games as they come up this weekend. So hit that subscribe button so that you'll be notified when new episodes drop. And while you're at it, please rate and review. It really does help me out a lot. All right, so this is really day one of four of March Madness for the weekend. Um, you know, the Wednesday slate, it, it's nice and all. The Tuesday slate, you know, got some games going on. But Thursday is where the madness truly begins. And so we're going to start breaking it down. But first, a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, so we're going to break this thing down game by game. So if you're playing the full day slates on DraftKings or FanDuel, just buckle up, stay along for the ride. We're going to talk about all 16 games. If you are playing the early slate, this block is for you. So... Let's kick it off with the first game of Thursday, and that is West Virginia versus Maryland. Ken Palm has this game estimated as West Virginia 72-71. to Now, in terms of styles, West Virginia normally forces a lot of turnovers, but Maryland does not turn the ball over a whole lot. They rank ninth nationally in turnover percentage, which is pretty doggone good. They don't turn over much at all. Now, there are some legit superstars in this game. Eric Stevenson and Jameer Young both have insanely high shot rates. They're going to have the ball in their hands a lot. They're going to be you know, kind of just chucking it a lot. And so if this game gets pushed to be a high total, um, then you're going to probably see those two guys doing a bulk of the scoring. And I think the two of them could actually go under-owned. Um, I think that these 8-9 games kind of get overlooked because, you know, you see teams that are going up against, you know, solid defensive opponents. But in a game like this where it's two guys that you know are going to be shooting the ball a lot, like, I feel like there's a little bit of safety as well as a little bit of upside because, you know, if they get hot, they're going to get hot. They're going to get you a lot of fancy points. Now, there is a value play that I like in this game, and that is from Maryland, and that is Don Carey. He is only $4,200 on DraftKings. In his last five games, he's been over four times value, and he's played over 25 minutes in all five of those games. I think he's one of the better value plays on the slate. Wouldn't surprise me if he comes in highly owned, especially on you know a 16-game slate where value is tough to come by. But I definitely think that he is one of the better 4K range plays that is on the entire slate. All right, second on the docket is Furman versus Virginia. Ken Palm has this one as Virginia 71-66, to which... 
I'm not going to lie, is a little higher scoring than I would have expected and a little closer than I would have expected as well. Furman is actually the best two-point shooting team in the nation, according to Ken Palm, and they are going against Virginia's vaunted pack line defense. Now, I think that the top Furman guys, because of their high usage rates and because of their just steady performances, they're fairly safe cash game plays, but I genuinely question their upside going up against that Virginia defense that is really stout. Now, we do have a mid-major misprice, and we're going to see a lot of these in the first two days of the NCAA tournament. When DraftKings and FanDuel don't know what to do with a mid-major player, sometimes they price them a little bit too low. Just happens. And the first one, I think, is in this game, and it is J.P. Pegues of Furman. He has five straight games over 30 fantasy points and is only $5,400 on DraftKings. And what's important to know is that He's had some increased usage in these games. His season average is 21% usage rate, and he's been over 24% in all five of those games. So there's been a legitimate bump in the amount of times that he's had the basketball in his hands. And so I definitely think that he can make that price tag worth it. Now, on the Virginia side of things, I think there's a possible buy-the-dip candidate with Kihei Clark. He was just simply not good in that ACC championship game against Duke, but Duke is a team that can give him a lot of trouble. You know, he doesn't really shoot the ball all that well. He's reliant on getting in the lane and kind of just wreaking a little bit of chaos with the defense um, to score fancy points, whether it's, you know, with floaters, layups, or assists. And Duke's not a great matchup for that. I think Furman is a much better matchup for him. And so I think getting Kihei Clark at a low price is definitely a legitimate possibility when building your lineup. Now, we also know that with Virginia, their big man, Ben Vanderplass, is out for the season. And Kadeen Shedrick has filled in, I, I think it's Caden Shedrick, actually. Yeah, I'm going to go with Caden. Caden Shedrick has filled in quite nicely. He said over 16 fantasy points in three straight games since Vanderplass went out due to injury. You could definitely do much worse in terms of value plays than Caden Shedrick. All right, next up is Utah State at Missouri. This is actually the highest point total of the day. Ken Palm has it as Utah State 83 to 79. So we're looking at the 160s for this one. Definitely a great game stacking opportunity. Utah State is 109th in the nation in tempo, according to Ken Palm, and 64th in defensive efficiency. Missouri actually plays faster. They're 92nd in tempo, and they're worse defensively at 179. They're in the bottom half of the whole nation defensively. That's kind of alarming. Missouri is also not a good rebounding team, which is going to give plenty of opportunities for the Utah State big guys, Taylor Funk and Dan Aiken. Um, I think the two of them have a chance to go off against this Missouri front court. And I will say, though, the Aggie I like the most is Stephen Ashworth. So he's very correlated as a guy who, when Utah State scores a lot of points, he scores a lot of fantasy points. And in fact, the last five games where Utah State has scored 75 or more fantasy points, Stephen Ashford has had over 36 fantasy points in all five of those games. That's not only a level of consistency, but a level of production that is really good. And so if you're looking to game stack this one, Ashford is definitely a guy that you've got to get in your lineup. Now with the Missouri guys, I really only fully trust Kobe Brown and Demoy Hodge. And Hodge has actually been a lot better recently, and he's seen more usage lately as we've gotten into the end of the season and the postseason. Now, DeAndre Golston is probably a guy I would consider if I was game stacking, but I do think there are better value plays for the same price range that you can get him at. Um, so this Missouri team, really tough to target in my opinion, but if you're willing to game stack, if you're willing to take a little bit of a gamble, you can try on some of these lower Missouri guys. I don't think they're going to be highly owned, but they definitely don't come with any sense of security in terms of what you're getting. Now, the last game of this block is going to be Howard versus Kansas, and Kempom has it as Kansas 82-63. to So we got a 116 matchup. There's going to be a huge blowout risk in this one, which kind of begs the question, you know, if they're not going to play the whole second half, like, do you really want them? 
but yet if they score a lot of fancy points in the first half, do you need them to play the second half? So I don't know. I think I could see the argument either way. So what I did was I went and looked at the box scores of Kansas's early season blowouts, which you cannot see on DraftKings because their game log stops for whatever reason. It's really dumb in my opinion. But when you look at those early season blowouts that Kansas had, Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick were the guys that were stuffing the stat sheet, which is not a surprise, but like they were still getting theirs in these games where they were blowing teams out. And so I wouldn't mind going back to either of them. Um, for Howard on the other side, they also played in a few of those games where they were on the wrong side of it. And in those games, it's Elijah Hawkins who played well. Um, he is also the team usage rate leader, so that comes as no surprise. Um, I think you would need to see a situation where they keep it close enough to keep him in um, you know, where so that way he can pay off that price tag because he is a little pricey. But there are two guys that are mid-major misprices, in my opinion, for the Howard Bison, and that is Jelani Williams and Shy Odom. I think that they're both like their performances and their usage rates greatly outweigh their you know price tags on DraftKings. So I wouldn't mind playing either of them. But again, you're going to want the game to be close enough that Howard's willing to leave the starters in. So you don't need it to be like a 50-point flout. Keep it in the teens or the 20s, and you could see a lot of points for those guys for Howard. All right, so that does it for the first block of games. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick breather and then talk about the second block that is still in the um, early session. All right, first up in the next block of games is going to be Alabama taking on Texas A&M Corpus Christi. And Ken Palm has this one as Alabama 87 to 66, so huge blowout risk here. We know the tempo that Alabama plays at. They can put points in bunches, and they blew out some SEC teams this year, so they could definitely have the capability to blow out Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Now, the Islanders themselves are coming off of a pretty impressive win. Well, maybe not impressive is the right word, but it was a fun game to watch. They played really well. Um, and the guy that I really kept gravitating to as I watched it was Jalen Jackson. Um, he was great in that game tonight in the first four. Um, he had 33 fantasy points for the Islanders. And really, he's filling in for their normal starting point guard. I believe Murdich is his name. Um, and so Jalen Jackson, if he comes in at a reasonable price tag, I don't quite know what it's going to settle in yet. But if it's going to be under 6K on DraftKings, I definitely think he's worth a look. He's been really solid when he has gotten to fill in as the starting point guard, and he's going to get another opportunity to do so. Now for Bama... We've got a pretty big sample size of blowouts to go off of. And there's, you know, their top guys have still been able to reach value in blowouts in, you know, in spurts, like it hasn't been super consistent. But they do have their blowout kings, their guys that come in and just kind of clean up the garbage time. And that is Nick Pringle and Ryland Griffin. If you're looking for a GPP play on DraftKings or FanDuel, these would be guys that I would be looking at because you definitely aren't going to get a whole lot of security. But if they get a whole 25 minute workload against this Texas AM Corpus Christi team in a blowout, you could definitely see a lot of fans points come their way and it's not going to take a whole lot for them to pay off value next game up is college of charleston versus san diego state ken palm has this one as san diego state 74 to 68 and this is a big tempo up spot for san diego state they generally play rock fights out there in the mountain west and charleston plays at the 29th fastest tempo in the nation according to ken palm for Charleston, Berzovic and Larson are really the only two guys that are in play for me. They should be pretty low owned because I think a lot of people are going to look and see the matchup against San Diego State and just be like, no thanks. And so I think that they're definitely in play for that reason. And they do provide you a pretty high ceiling. Both of them have given some big games as the seasons goes on. Berzovic is just a really skilled big man who sees a lot of usage. Larson is a sharp shooter. He has the capability to get hot. And if he gets hot, look out. This could be a high scoring game for Charleston and San Diego. 
Now, Jalen Scott, I think for Charleston, is also another guy worth looking at. He's barely above 4K, but I think there's better value plays out there on the slate. For San Diego State, I really like Matt Bradley. He's got a 26% usage rate on the season. He's only $5,900 on DraftKings right now. And we know that Charleston is going to try to push the tempo and increase the number of possessions. So a guy with a high usage rate getting bonus possessions at a cheap price tag, yeah, sign me up for Matt Bradley for San Diego State. Next game up is going to be Princeton versus Arizona. Ken Palm has this one as Arizona 85-72, which I'm not going to lie, it's kind of closer than I expected to see for a 215 game. Now, Princeton, interestingly enough, has not played a game against a power conference opponent all season. So we don't really know what their rotation or their usage is going to look like when they play up against a, you know, like, I don't want to say legit, but like when they play up against top-tier competition. We just don't know what it's going to look like, right? But we do know that Tosan Ebuanam, I think I said that right, Tosan Ebuanam, Tosan Ebamwan, I'm going to stick with that. He's their usage later, and he's their best performer on the season. And so he is a guy that definitely you got to look at as being reasonable like to fit into your lineups because you know Arizona is going to push the pace, and you know they're pretty good defensively down low. But if you're going to get a guy that's going to see this many possessions and the game might be fairly close, he's definitely worth a look. Now, Aloko and Langborg have also both had a lot of four times value performances for Princeton. I think there are options in cash games, but I don't think they give you the upside to play in a GPP. Now, for Arizona, we've got a pretty good sample size of how they've played, you know, non-Power 5 competition with their non-conference schedule. And Umar Balo and Azulas Tubelis just absolutely ate in those games, and they had some big-time performances against non-Power 6 uh, teams. And so if I'm playing any Arizona Wildcats, it's probably going to be one of those two guys as my first or second guy into my lineup. Um, I just think that they give you really the most upside out of any Arizona Wildcats. And I think that Princeton is going to struggle with their height because um, – they're just taller than anybody Princeton's got or anybody that Princeton plays. And so I think that those two guys are going to come in with the height advantage, with the athleticism advantage, and be able to have success. But disclaimer, they're both capable of some dud games as well. So I'm not saying necessarily just lock in Tubelis and Ballo, but they're guys that you can legitimately evaluate if you're going to put into your lineup if you want to balance that upside with the risk of them giving you a dud. So I definitely think that they're two guys worth a look, not necessarily guys that I'm going to be locking into my lineup though. Now, next up is Illinois versus Arkansas. Ken Palm has this one as Arkansas 73 to 72, which I'm not going to lie, kind of surprised me a little bit. I thought Arkansas would be a little more heavier favored given how much Ken Palm has liked them this season. Now, for Illinois, Matthew Mayer and Terrence Shannon Jr. both have a lot of tournament experience. Mayer's coming from Baylor. Shannon's coming from Texas Tech. And as the season has gone on, we have seen for the Illini, the usage kind of lump around those two guys. I don't have any problem going to either of them, but I don't necessarily think that Arkansas is the best matchup. You know, Terrence Shannon's likely to be guarded by Anthony Black, who is just a really long, athletic, young point guard who is like actually 6'7", 6'8", and really lengthy. Um, so I don't think that's going to necessarily be the best matchup, but they are guys that you know are going to have the ball in their hands in a close game that should be fairly high scoring. You could do much worse than Shannon and Mayer is what I'm saying. Now for Arkansas, Nick Smith Jr. has really been their usage guy since he got back from injury. Um, he's had a usage rate of 28% and a shot rate of 34% since he came back from injury. And I'm not going to lie, y'all, you really can't beat that usage rate at the price tag that he's at. Like, I don't think there's any other guys in the 7K or 6K range that are going to give you that amount of usage. And again, we know this game's going to be fairly high scoring, and we know it's going to be fairly close. Now, for the bigs in this game, 
you're going to have Dane Danger of Illinois going up against the Mitchell Twins of Arkansas. And to me, that's pretty interesting um, because, like, these are, like, true centers. Like, they're not going to be stepping out to the perimeter. They're not going to be taking threes. Um, they're probably going to be missing free throws. And so um, you're just looking at these two guys down low. Like, they've all had successful games this season, Danger and both of the Mitchell Twins. Um, and so the question is going to become, you know, can they do it against one another? And so with Danger, I think he's actually had some pretty strong performances this season. The Mitchell Twins, I'm still not certain that Eric Musselman knows which one he's playing at any given time. I just think he knows I've got zero Mitchells out there, or I've got one Mitchell out there, or I've got two Mitchells out there. Um, and so I really don't know what's going on with their minutes. Like, it's just been super inconsistent. But Makai Mitchell is the one who's been playing more recently. And so if you're going to play one of them, I would probably lean Makai over his twin brother, Mikel. But like I said, I think this is an interesting matchup for the bigs. you got similar play styles, you know, with Danger going up against the Mitchells. Um, and so I definitely could see one of them having success on the other. I just don't know which one it's going to be, but I do like the price tag on Dane Danger. All right, that's going to do it for this block of games. So we're going to take a quick breather, and then we're going to talk about the nightcap. we got eight games going on in the night session that are going to cop this podcast off. So we're going to take a quick breather first. All right, the Thursday night session begins with a very intriguing 8-9 matchup, and that is Auburn versus Iowa. This should be one of the higher scoring games of the day. Auburn, or I'm sorry, Kent Palm has as Auburn 78 to 77. So you're looking at 155 total points. That's quite substantial. Now, Iowa's 167th nationally in defensive efficiency. So this is actually a pretty good matchup for the Auburn offense, in my opinion. They haven't seen a whole lot of defenses that are this bad in SEC play. Janiah Broom has only been over four times value twice in his last six games, but I think this is a great matchup against Iowa. Like I just said, they're not a great defensive team, and they've been particularly vulnerable inside, and that's where Broom does his damage. I think this is a pretty good spot for him, and I have no problem paying up for him on this slate. Now, we could also have a big game KD Johnson signing. I've talked about how KD Johnson on this, you know, I've talked about on the podcast before how KD Johnson has a lot of J.R. Smith energy where he plays well in big games. He has irrational confidence. He's just a very emotional player, and he can give you big performances, right? And the last game he played in the SEC tournament was a big-time performance. He had 30 fantasy points against Arkansas, who's a much better defensive team than they're going to see in Iowa in the tournament. Now, for Iowa... Chris Murray can give them issues. You know, if he's playing the four spot, he's going to have a length advantage over whoever Auburn is playing. And I think that, you know, he has a chance to have a pretty good day. He's at over 36 fantasy points in his last four games, but he's been really good when games get to a point total of over 150 points. He's averaging 43.5 fantasy points in the last four games that have seen that point total for Iowa. And so I think that's a prime opportunity for Chris Murray, right? I would have no problem paying up for either Broom or Murray in this game. I'd do think with the lack of overall value on this slate, you're probably going to have to pick one. But if you want to game stack it, there are other options. We've already talked about KD Johnson, but I think that Tony Perkins and the McCaffreys all have a good bit of upside as well. We've seen Perkins have some big time performances lately in this Big Ten season. Um, he's not super consistent, but he does have that ceiling that he can give you. Uh, and then the McCaffreys are guys that, you know, when they just get hot shooting, they're hot shooting and they can absolutely fill it up quickly. Next game up is Oral Roberts versus Duke. Ken Palm has this one as Duke 75 to 72. Oral Roberts is going to give Duke, you know, a little bit of a tempo up spot because Duke does not like to push the tempo. But Oral Roberts does play with the nation's 37th fastest tempo, according to Ken Palm. And hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, you know about Max Asmus and you know that the B is pronounced Asmus somehow. 
Well, anyway, he's been great for Oral Roberts this season. He was great for Oral Roberts in the last NCAA tournament. So, so far this season, Max Aismas has averaged a 28% usage rate. Well, in the NCAA tournament run that Oral Roberts made to the Sweet 16 two years ago, he had over a 30% usage rate in all three games. And he scored 25 or more points in all three games. He's a big-time NCAA tournament performer, and I just have no issue paying up for him. Like, he's going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to fill it up. And even if Oral Roberts doesn't win this game, I still think he's going to fill up the stat sheet. They run a lot of pick and pop with him as the ball handler, meaning that he's going to have the decision on whether or not he's just going to, you know, take it to the rim, pull up and shoot a three, or pass it and try to get an immediate assist. So definitely a lot of opportunity. Huge ceiling for Max Acemas in this game. Now, speaking of that pick and pop, they run it a lot with Patrick Mwamba and he did that a lot in the Summit League Championship game and had 29 fantasy points in 25 minutes in that game and so I definitely think that he brings a lot of upside and I think that him being able to stretch the floor and space the floor is going to give these Duke bigs some issues because they really like to just sit under the rim and block shots and that's not what they're going to do in this game against Oral Roberts. Now on the other side for Duke Kyle Filipowski and Jeremy Roach have really taken hold of the usage in the postseason so far. Filipowski has back-to-back four-times-value games. I also think that there's some upside for Tyrese Proctor in this one. He's kind of struggled when Duke has been at a slower pace, you know, in games like against Virginia. And he's been pretty good when the game, when like, like when the tempo gets pushed, right? He's had two games over five times value in his last three games. And I like the fact that when the tempo goes up, his points genu- generally go up. And so I think that Tyrese Proctor is worth a look as kind of a mid-range value play. Next up for this block is going to be Colgate versus Texas. Ken Palm has it as Texas 83 to 79. Now, I think that, I'm sorry, 83 to 69. Yeah, yeah, I'd be a little alarmed if it was that close. 83 to 69 in favor of Texas. Now, Texas, to me, is a good two seed to target because I still think they're going to win this game, but I think they're going to have a lot of success offensively, right? Colgate is 44th in the nation offensively in offensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, that is. And they're 231st defensively in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. So what you're looking at is a team in Colgate that struggles to guard, but is really good at scoring. And so you're likely to end up with a high-scoring game among the Texas team that's pretty good on both sides of the ball, right? Now, what's going to kind of complicate things for Texas is that Timmy Allen is back, which he did not play in the Big 12 tournament. So we could see um, him eating into a little bit of the usage for Dylan DeSue, who is coming off a three-straight pretty big-time performances. He's had four times value in all those Big 12 tournament games. And also, I think you could see a little bit of reduced minutes for Brock Cunningham and Serge Jabari Rice, which is just kind of unfortunate because the two of them had also been really good in the Big 12 tournament. Now, Texas as a team has a relative weakness in rebounding. Like, I say relative because they're not a bad rebounding team, but it's like the one thing they're not great at. And so that gives Keegan Records and Tucker Richardson some legitimate upside for Colgate as the two guys who lead them in rebound rate. And I also think that Ryan Moffitt feels a little bit like a mid-major misprice to me. I don't think this is a bad game to go get your value plays from because I think there's a genuinely good chance that this is a game where Texas, like, leads by 8 to 12 the whole way, is never really pushed, but like keeps scoring. And so you just end up with like an 84 to 70 total, kind of like how Ken Palm's predicting it, right? Now on the side of things for Texas, Tyrese Hunter, I've been talking about all season. He's kind of like the sleeping giant, right? He was great last year at Iowa State, gave some big time performances in the NCAA tournament for Iowa State. And so I think that he has the chance to absolutely smash his price tag here again in this NCAA tournament. We know the talents there. We know the abilities there. All it would take is something like Marcus Carr getting in quick foul trouble, and all of a sudden it's going to be the Tyrese Hunter show for the Longhorns.
Last game of this block is going to be Boise State versus Northwestern. And this is one of the ugliest games of the day, one of the lowest totals of the day. Ken Palm has it as Boise 64 to 63. Ugh. Now for Northwestern. We have seen Boo Bowie and Chase Audige be a little bit down recently, and it's not because they're playing poorly, but we're seeing just good performances out of their role players, Brooks Barnheiser and Matthew Nicholson. We're seeing some of the usage go their way as well, and I think that DraftKings has been pretty quick to adjust the price tag on Barnheiser, but I still think he's got some upside at his price tag. I think that Nicholson still carries some upside as well. Now, Boise, I don't know, man. They have a lot of guys who are just slightly mispriced, like when I look at the players for Boise on DraftKings, I feel like all of them should generally be about three or $400 more expensive than they are. But the problem is, is the game flow of this game and the total being so low is just so ugly that like, I'm not super excited about playing any of them, even though I feel like they should be more expensive. Why would I, you know, go to them when I can get a guy at the same price who's going to be playing in a game in the 140s or the 150s? So I just, I don't know. I'm not in on a whole lot of guys in this game other than Barnheiser or Nicholson. And it really for them, it's just because of how they've been playing lately. All right, that does it for block three of the first day of the NCAA tournament. So let's take a quick breather and then let's break down the late night session. All right, so the first game of the late night session is quite possibly the ugliest one of the day. It is Northern Kentucky versus Houston. Ken Palm has it as Houston 69 to 52. I got to be honest, I don't see this as being very challenging for Houston, and I don't see Northern Kentucky scoring a lot of points. They play at a slow tempo, they're not that great offensively. Houston's in elite defense, just kind of a pass for most of this game, in my opinion. Now, I do think Marcus Sasser plays in this game. It seemed like he was ready to play in the AAC championship game, and they kind of just tell them out for precautionary reasons. So that really kind of makes it tough to play these Houston guys because I think a lot of them are kind of soaring off of a little bit of inflated price after that last missed game by Sasser. And so I'm really not that intrigued in a whole lot of them. Uh, I think that Juwan Roberts has actually been their best guy in lopsided games, which they've played in a lot of them. So he might be a guy to target. And also Emmanuel Sharp at the guard position is their blowout king he is the guy that comes in in garbage time and just kind of cleans up and you know has some decent fantasy performances in blowouts definitely more of a gpp play in my opinion and like i said i couldn't be less interested in playing the northern kentucky guys like looking like they're priced appropriately but like they're going up against a great defense they're projected to score 52 points. They don't play at a fast tempo. Their opponent doesn't play at a fast tempo just not a good spot to target now like we talked about in, in this podcast before when it comes to DFS, sometimes guys being bad plays make some good plays because they're not going to carry a lot of ownership. And so maybe if you want to take a chance on whether the Northern Kentucky guys, maybe that might be worth doing, but it's just not something that I'm going to get behind. Now, the Louisiana versus Tennessee game is an interesting one. Ken Palm has it as Tennessee, 75-63. to 63. Tennessee is second in the nation in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, so that makes it a really tough matchup for the Raging Cajuns. Now, if Louisiana were to have some success and score some points, Themis Folks is going to be the guy that you want in your lineup. He averages almost six assists per game, and so if they're going to score a lot, it's probably going to be because of his assists. Now, I do think we can look at maybe not a super total, like, like 100% correlation, but we can look at their game against Texas earlier this season to kind of see how they're going to play against a big-time, super-talented opponent. And in that game, Jordan Brown had a 42% usage rate. He scored 20 points, had six boards. And so if he could play like that against Texas, I think he could have a successful game against Tennessee as well. Now, on the other side of things for Tennessee, it's going to continue to be Santiago Vescovi at point guard with the injury to Zakai Ziegler, which is weird because it's actually reduced his shot rate and his usage rate. 
from when he was playing the two-guard spot. And so I still think this is a good spot for him. He's got a lot of upside because he is playing the point guard spot. But there are other guys that are seeing great usage as well. Josiah Jordan-James had a terrible fantasy performance in their loss in the SEC tournament to Missouri, but he still had a 26% usage rate in that game. So if you're somebody who believes in usage and regression to the mean, Josiah Jordan-James should be your guy. In fact, there were three other guys who had over a 20, actually four other guys, who had a 20% usage rate or more in that game against Missouri. And that was Nkamwa, Phillips, Key, and Meshack. All four of them are in play to me. All four of them are very affordable. I think I would probably prefer Tyreek Key out of that group. He's super cheap, and they look to just kind of keep getting him opportunities to take shots. And against Louisiana, there's a good chance that some of those shots are more open than they usually are, and they go in. And so I definitely think that Tyreek Key is going to carry a lot of upside. I don't mind going to Santiago Vespi. I don't mind going to Josiah Jordan-James. I don't mind going to Nkama, and I don't mind going to Phillips. So just a lot of Tennessee volunteers in play for me with that injury for Zakai Ziegler, kind of giving a usage bump to a lot of different guys. Next up is Penn State versus Texas A&M. Ken Palm has it as Texas A&M 71-69. Jalen Pickett of Penn State is the highest-priced guard on the board. Now, personally, I don't mind playing him just because he is Jalen Pickett. He gives you a super amount of upside. He's had like 60 fantasy point performances, right? But I don't think that this is the best spot for him. I don't think that he is going to end up as the highest scoring guard, right? Like, I think you can get cheaper guys with better matchups because, you know, Texas A&M is a really good defensive team and they don't play super fast. You know, game total is only 140. Like, I just think you can look elsewhere. I'm not saying Jalen Pickett's not great. He's going to be great. He sees a lot of usage. His peripheral stats are great. But I just probably will go somewhere else on this slate. Cameron Winter for Penn State is a straight miss price in my opinion. He's had six of his last eight games over 26 fantasy points, and his usage rate has seen a huge bump in that window. Have no problem going to him as one of the value plays on this slate. Now, Texas A&M, they're a super frustrating team to roster players from. Like, we know about Wade Taylor. We know about Tyrese Radford. Like, they're pretty solid, but like, because both of them are there, they don't really have a huge ceiling. And it's just kind of like, they become guys that can hit value, but like, for what? Like, they're not going to give you a five or six times value performance. Now, I say that and watch Wade Taylor go off for like 40. But anyway, I don't think that's very likely to see one of those two guys absolutely go off. Now, their forward rotation is also super inconsistent. There's just not a whole lot going on here. Maybe you could get a little bit of a good performance from Henry Coleman or Solomon Washington. Penn State is really undersized in the front court, and so maybe these two guys can take advantage of their length um, and have a good performance, but it's just super hard to see me rostering multiple Texas A&M guys when we got a 15-game slate, and there's just a lot of other options on the board. Last game of the night is UNC Asheville versus UCLA. Ken Palm has it as UCLA 76-58. Fun fact, UCLA is the only top two seed to be projected under 80 points according to Ken Palm. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to avoid UCLA. I actually think that that makes for a pretty good game environment. In fact, we do not know the status of Adem Bona, UCLA's starting center, which is really relevant because he is a great defensive player. And if he does not play, it's likely to be Mac Etienne or Kenneth Nwuba, who gets a lot of the minutes at center. My preference would be Etienne. Nwuba, when he plays a lot of minutes, doesn't really do a whole lot with those minutes in terms of fantasy production. Etienne has a little more upside, in my opinion. Now, if Bona is out, that definitely weakens the UCLA defense. 
on the interior, which will be good news for Drew Pember, who is a big-time performer for UNC Asheville. He can score at all three levels, huge usage rate. Um, if Bona is out, I think that's a great opportunity for Pember. It's also another good opportunity for Nate McMullen, who plays the four spot for UNC Asheville. Um, and so those two guys, if Bona's out, become like instantly more playable, in my opinion. And for UCLA, we've already known about this Jalen Clark injury for a while. We've seen them play through the Pac-12 tournament with it, and we've seen Tiger Campbell and Amari Bailey pick up the slack and have a lot of usage and a lot of production without Jalen Clark on the floor. And so I expect to see more of the same in that. And if you see UNC Asheville can keep this game close against UCLA, you could see another big-time performance out of Tiger Campbell. You could see another big-time performance out of Amari Bailey. And I think that Drew Pember would be the reason that this game is close. All right, so we just covered 16 games for opening day. Well, I guess maybe not technically opening day, but the Thursday of March Madness, the Thursday of the NCAA tournament. So it's a lot of information, but whether you're playing an all-day slate, early slate, late slate, late, late slate, you hopefully you got all the information you needed to pick the right guys and fill out your winning lineups. Now, if you want to see how I put all of this information into my lineups, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. I'm not done yet, though, y'all. Got a little few more sales pitches to do. So if you have not listened to it already, make sure you go check out the Bracket Breakdown episode, sat down with my dad, who is another college basketball junkie, and made that talking about how to make a lot of different picks for your NCAA tournament bracket. Check that out when you get a chance. Also, golf's still going on this week too, y'all. Check out my preview for the Valspar Championship that will be going on this weekend. Um, whether you're playing DFS or betting that golf tournament, you will find what you need there in that podcast. And if you like what you're hearing in this podcast, hit the subscribe button so that way you'll be notified when new episodes drop because I will be dropping episodes for the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday slates for this weekend. And I absolutely cannot wait. It's one of my favorite sports weekends of the year. Speaking of which... If you want to add a little more interest to your March Madness viewing, um, join my bracket pool. Reach out to me on Twitter um, you know, via mention or via DM, and I'll make sure I get your information and get you in there. It is a $10 bracket pool. Just reach out if you want in. All right, I think that does it for all the announcements. So, y'all, let the madness begin. It's officially here. Can't wait. Super excited to sit down and watch all the games on Thursday and Friday. Um, hopefully, it can be a good one for my Texas Longhorns. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see how that goes. In the meantime, best of luck to everybody in all your DFS endeavors. Hopefully, I gave you the information you need to hear on this podcast. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time.